Welcome to Building the Future. I'm your host, Kevin Horick. The radio and TV version of the show air in over 12 states. This includes both coasts and Silicon Valley. The show also airs in the UK, Caribbean, and Australia. For full show times, plus past episodes of the TV and radio show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. We just launched a free online community to connect past guests, listeners, and others. This community will allow you to network, chat on Slack, or get help with anything else, and a lot more. If you're interested in joining the community, buying some merch, sponsoring the show, or signing up for the newsletter, please go to buildingthefutureshow.com. The show is a proud media partner for the 11th Annual Media Excellence Awards, which are produced by Access Entertainment in Los Angeles, California. The Media Excellence Awards are recognized as the most influential awards show, honoring innovation and leadership in all things mobile entertainment, lifestyle, and technology. For more information on how to submit to these awards, please visit MediaXAwards.com. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Marin and Julian from Dulo. Guys, welcome to the show. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks for, thanks for having us on. Thanks, Kevin. Really appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you guys on the show. I, I think what you guys are doing is actually really innovative, but maybe before we get into um, that stuff, let's get to know each one of you a little bit better. So how about Marin, you give us a quick introduction on yourself and then I'll let Julian give a quick intro on himself. Sure, thank you very much again, Kevin. Uh, so my name is Marin. I'm originally from Bulgaria. I'm currently 29 years old and I've uh, moved abroad for the first time 10 years ago and I've been living uh, around Europe uh, and currently I'm residing in Amsterdam for the past two and a half years. Um, Very cool. And uh, yeah, I'm uh, by education and career as well, mostly marketer. Eventually okay. turned developer. I just uh, taught programming to buy, to myself uh, five five years ago. Um, and ever since, I wanted to look to find something to do next to my job, something that's going to give me the opportunity to have the financial and location freedom to basically uh, do with my time what I like on my own terms. And um, one and a half years ago or so, the idea for Dulu was born, uh, and immediately I wanted to share it with Julian. And I think for the for, for the last uh, year and a half, we've been working hard hard on building that. Uh, and uh, yeah, Julian can take it away from here and introduce himself. <laughs> yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, my name is Julian. Uh, also from Bulgaria originally. Uh, we went to high school together with Marine. We sat on the same desk. Um, then uh, after graduation, we kind of uh, parted ways. I, uh, I traveled a bit, graduated in the UK with a business IT degree. So it was a mixture between uh, a business degree and a computer science degree. Sure. Uh, after that, I traveled a bit, lived in Japan for a while, uh, was planning to do a master's degree there, but changed my mind after I saw that the guys are working 15 hours a day with seven days <laughs> per year for, for holidays, so that I didn't like that, uh, that format. And I came back to Bulgaria, started working in event management, which was okay. which had nothing to do with what, what <laughs> <anything>. <laughs> Sure. Um, and uh, worked there for two years, then I kind of felt that... Uh, I'm not realizing my potential or the investment that my parents uh, provided with uh, for my studies uh, and following uh, Marine's footsteps and another classmate of ours. I also uh, did a four-month online course in programming, front-end programming. And uh, at the end of that course, I got a job in Berlin. And uh, yeah, and then we moved uh, together 
to Amsterdam again uh, in a programming job, and yeah, we share a house now, flatmates, and uh, and a Dulu HQ as well. Very cool. So, walk me through how did you guys come up with the idea for Dulu and or Duo, and what exactly is it? So, uh, what is Dulu? Um, basically, what we're doing. Um, uh, we have several things, but the main thing is our product, and that's a dress shirt that's non-iron, that's made from performance fabrics. It's also stretch. It's super comfortable, basically for active people, people on the move who want to save time, uh, who want to feel comfortable uh, while looking really sharp and stylish. They can just uh, go and have a dulo, and uh, they'll look amazing throughout the day, uh, and they'll feel very comfortable in it. Um, but this started really from the fact that uh, we wanted to solve our own problem. Um, it's a very cliche phrase, but it is indeed scratching our own itch. That's the reason why we started Dulo. Because even though we're both programmers, and you know, from sure. uh, most mo the the most common, uh, um, I would say, apparel or a dress code for programmers is a hoodie and a t-shirt. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Yeah, quite often, quite often, both of us actually like to wear a dress shirt, uh, not really in a very formal way, still with jeans or chinos, but. Uh, it just, I think, wearing something like a dress shirt gives you a little more, also confidence, but a nicer feeling when you're going outside and meeting people. Uh, yeah. Uh, but um, before we started our own company, uh, we were so frustrated with the fact that we have to spend so much time. And personally, it took me about 15 minutes every morning to iron a dress shirt, and I never totally. do it properly. And at one point, I just started uh, wearing a sweater on top of it, iron just the collar and the cuff. And leave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've done that before. <laughs> you know, the last thing I want to do in the morning, and already I'm, I'm I've tried to optimize a lot of my morning routines, and you want to do something, some productive things, and be charged, energized when you go to work. The last thing you want to do is spend time over an ironing board and not knowing what you're doing. Um, and uh, yeah, one day I was actually in Bulgaria for a holiday. I was sitting uh, there on a networking event when I was meeting some people. It was a really hot early morning. Uh, and suddenly in my head came the uh, realization that our country actually has, Bulgaria has huge traditions in clothing manufacturing. Interesting. Uh, big brands like Nike, like H&M, Zara, they're manufacturing clothing there still. The people who work there are actually studying this. So it's like profession, really professional uh, seamstresses and tailors who are operating. Interesting. In um, and we thought, well, the advancements of performance fabrics seem to be a thing now, a trend. Why don't we try to combine it, uh, but manufacture it in Bulgaria? And okay. Julian can take over about the validation, how we came up with the, uh, how we were convinced basically to continue with that idea and how we went along finding a manufacturer. Yeah, well, we've been, we've been talking about starting something on our own for a very long time. And it was mostly uh, always uh, around the idea of making an app or some sort of uh, website or uh, sure. an IT pro uh, project. Uh, but we never, we never really got a nice idea that we can, we can commit on. And as Marin said, when, once he was in Bulgaria, he, he was at a presentation, I think, about it, another apparel business. So they were doing something with T-shirts and uh, he got the idea of why don't we uh, use the the advantages that we have being from Bulgaria to actually try to try to create uh, the product because we, we saw a few companies in the US were doing it but uh, first of all they were new even in the US and uh, as you probably know things reach Europe a bit in a delayed manner um, sure. so there was no one doing it in Europe 
um, ordering from the states is uh, the delivery costs are quite high and uh, and even more expensive for the import duties uh, which you have to pay for the the, the companies that ship the product they don't cover those uh, so it's it's a quite a big pain to uh, to order stuff from the US from Europe um, so we thought yeah that there might be an opportunity and yeah it's, it was definitely a product that I want I was looking forward to to wearing so even the samples um, so we committed with that and um, we planned the next step was to plan a trip back home just to to see how the industry was and uh, just talk to different people see see whether we can actually make that product in Bulgaria and uh, we did that uh, one week we talked to a lot of people and there was only actually one one partner that uh, kind of said that, yeah we can make that because there was a lot of people just <laughs> very confused uh, why we would use uh, some other fabrics other than, other than cotton to make okay. shirts. Um, so yeah, a lot of confused looks, but then at the end uh, we found a very good partner that we are now uh, working with. And uh, from then on we started about one year in product development. We did about 70 shirts. Wow. Which, yeah, we, we, we kept a few ourselves. We were testing and the majority of those we, we just gave out to people. It was three cycles of about 20, 30 shirts. And uh, the first cycle was the closest uh, friends and family circle. And then we kind of expanded outwards from there, uh, giving it to, to anyone who's interested in, uh, in trying it out. Because we were also, another thing that we were doing from day one was to document the whole process, um, which we started with a blog. And then now it's, it's a blog and a podcast. Um, so we just we had some awareness of people actually following the the development process even before we we hit market. So yeah, and then we opened our web shop about seven months ago, maybe a little more. Interesting. Now. It's like interesting. In November two thousand and seventeen is when we opened on Shopify. Yeah, very cool. So I, I want to step back for for just a second. So how did you guys kind of originally decide on a fabric? Was it a little bit like? trial and error or how did you come to picking a fabric so for us the most important thing was uh how the fabric feels um and to have the properties that we wanted to have in a shirt mainly okay. no wrinkles and then everything else that comes with it is was basically a, a bonus on top of that because really, okay. really the key part in the beginning at least was our main focus um so what we did with our manufacturing partner uh, we explained everything that we wanted to have. And again, fortunately, he has had a lot of experience in the industry, like a really, really, really experienced guy. And okay. he immediately got the idea. That's why we committed working with him is that once, once we explained what we want to do, he was not scared. He was not confused. He said, okay, okay, yeah, I understand that. I've seen that. I've done that. I can, I can, uh, I can deliver on this project. So um, I think two months uh, in or one and a half months in after we actually committed working with him, um, we had to choose a fabric. So we got uh, eight different samples, which is basically okay. eight smaller patches, which are about, I don't know, 10 by 10 centimeters. I don't know how much that is in inches. Uh, and sure. uh, on a sheet of paper describing the contents of each fabric. And to be honest, at the time, I think we didn't really know what polyester or polyamide or elastane or <laughs> sure. any of that actually means. What we ended up doing is really feeling uh, each of the, the little pieces of cloth and kind of uh, discussing it also with a friend of ours who is an experienced uh, 
uh, executive from the fashion industry and he's interesting working for big brands as well so in the beginning we actually we talked with him a lot about our idea and how we would approach sourcing and manufacturing so one night I remember I think it's also in our Instagram a picture from his floor where we have all the different uh, types of fabric lined down on the floor and uh, when we chose one and I think yeah it's, again it happened we just decided on one committed yeah and from then on, we got the first samples. Yeah, well, interesting. When when Marine saying that, I actually forgot about that that step. I thought the the manufacturer just chose the, the fabric for us. Yeah, but it, we did choose it. Then we we got it right, thankfully, the first try. And it's actually, I think the fabric was originally for weightlifting uh, gear. Uh, oh, interesting. Yeah, so that's where the the performance uh, benefits come from. And then yeah, we moved on to the first sample, which. Uh, Again, being uh, just a sample, we didn't have any resources yet allocated. So it was um, the only color they have left from that material was yellow. So you can see in our blog, it's a, it's a bright yellow t-shirt, uh, bright yellow shirt. The first sample sure. was uh, quite shocking when we first saw it. Uh, but, <laughs> but when once we touched it, it felt it felt nice. And the other the other important aspect of it is that it needs to have the properties on feel, but then it doesn't. It needs to look as a as a normal dress shirt. You know, it doesn't have to. It it, it shouldn't be glossy or anything. It's just um, so we kind of luckily got got the fabric right from the from the first try, and then the, the iteration from then on was mostly the the model and the fit of the shirt itself. Yeah, we did only gotcha. one major iteration on the fabric and that was in the end, it was more like an add-on. Uh, we decided to use a new technology. It's uh, an application treatment with silver ions, which is basically okay. really cool tech that uh, has anti gives the fabric antibacterial properties and you stop smelling or it doesn't uh, allow the accumulation of smells or odors. Uh, and it's really nice, which makes our shirts basically wearable multiple times. Interesting. So like I, I think the thing obviously like you guys built a shirt around kind of um, not having to iron it. And to me, I, I like, it fascinates me because I hate ironing too, especially if you travel and you know, your shirt, you can spend a ton of time on like with a crappy iron in a, you know, a hotel room. And, and so I, I, I totally get what you guys are doing, but how does it kind of work? Like I literally just throw it in the wash, pull it out, hang it to dry or do I put it in the dryer or does it not matter? And then I don't have to iron it. Uh, yeah, it's, so it's, it's normal machine wash. Uh, you can wash okay. anything, uh, any uh, machine washing program, just uh, it has to be under 30 degrees, I think 30 or 40 degrees Celsius. Okay. Uh, from there you can just put it on a hanger, then it dries and then you can just throw it on. So the, the basic idea of the fabric is that once it interacts with body heat, um, yeah. the fabric releases the wrinkles, so it straightens itself out. Oh, so interesting. In theory, you get, I mean, it's not theory, it's, it's what happens. It's uh, once you put it on, the more you wear it, actually, the better it looks. So instead of the cotton dress shirt, which you, you iron it, and then from that moment on, it's going to worse, it's going to look worse and worse as sure. the day goes by. Uh, in our case, even if, if you're traveling, like you said, if you put it in a bag, when you take it out, there's going to be a little, just re, um, a little bit of wrinkles because it was just, um, Sure. It was folded that way, but once you put it on after about 20-30 minutes, once once the body heat kind of releases the, the fabric, then those wrinkles uh, straighten out. Interesting. So that's that's actually really quite fascinating to me, right? And and like nobody else is using this fabric for, for kind of dress clothes. Uh, well, there's a few companies doing something similar, but I think they're using a different fabric with kind of a similar effects. 
okay. Yeah, but it's, it's a new product. Well, it's the same idea that we had with, um, I guess, in the sports market, there was this switch from cotton to, to synthetic fabrics. Right. Uh, and I guess that's, uh, I mean, that's what we predict is going to happen in the more formal and casual wear as well. Yeah, this advancement of these fabrics, actually. So the, basically, the synthetic fibers that we're using um, have changed and improved so much dramatically over the last couple of years. And they've become so mainstream thanks to big brands like the Nikes and the Adidas. Right doing all these streetwear, uh, really comfortable clothes that people can wear not only in the gym, but outside. And Got you. that was one of the reasons that, that we used as a validation for the idea as well. So people are becoming more familiar, they trust more, more, more those fabrics. So why sure. not trust them in a formal apparel as well? And what we're seeing right now is that in the industry, a lot, a lot more and more companies are actually starting to implement that slowly, gradually. They're starting with elasticity, so making their uh, clothes stretch. Uh, and eventually, probably a lot of big brands are going to have similar products as well because I think more and more people today, especially millennials and uh, younger, prioritize uh, convenience over anything else. Um, and uh, you, most people don't have the opportunity to, to, uh, to hire somebody to iron their clothes for them or to prepare it for them. Uh, so they would rather go and have clothes that don't uh, wrinkle at all. So for us also one of the important things looking long term is to actually build a very strong brand around what we're doing uh, about the message of entrepreneurship and building a business because uh, ultimately when a huge brand like a Hugo Boss for example tomorrow decides to launch a new non-iron uh, performance fabric dress shirt they can basically bury you with huge marketing budgets and access uh, in retail stores. Sure. No, that that's interesting. So you guys make men and women's uh, dress shirts, correct? Yes. Um, are you guys, well, are you guys planning on doing other uh, lines like pants or anything else kind of in the space? Because I think to your guys' point, like, yes, yeah, sure. The tr traditional kind of um, tech, maybe entrepreneur type is, is usually just wears jeans, but is there any reason to use maybe like a, a fabric for, for kind of dress pants as well? Cause I hate dress pants. And so, you know, just I, the fabric's uncomfortable, everything about it's uncomfortable. I'm not a big khakis fan. So like, would you guys consider doing other kind of products in, in a, you know, kind of similar space, but for different parts of the body? Yeah, well, we, we have a few ideas in mind, but uh, we, because we're bootstrapping the whole operation, so we kind of need to pace ourselves out a bit and, uh, sure. first of all, you know, get the, improve the, the dress shirt as much as we can. Uh, and of course, the, the development for the next product is going to depend on the, on the revenues we make with this one. Um, so we need to wait for that revenue to come in and then create the new collection. And I think there's a few ideas that we have uh, to improve on the on the dress shirt. And then, of course, the next thing would be uh, probably a polo shirt because I know a lot of people that, that uh, okay. sure. they, they like the fabric, they like the idea, but they don't necessarily wear dress shirts. And especially now in the summer, you're saying that uh, you, would prefer, you, you would prefer a short sleeve than a long one. Um, sure. So a polo shirt, a uh, dress shirt, and the third one will probably be pants. But that's yeah in the, the in the future. Sure. No, that makes sense. So I, I'm curious though. You mentioned you bootstrapped this thing. Was there any reason you guys just decided to kind of self fund this, or did you raise a little bit of money, or or walk me through kind of why you made the decision to to bootstrap? 
Well, kind of from the very beginning, the idea was for us to be very independent when we're building okay. a business. And actually, both of us are still, we still have our full-time day jobs, which we like quite a lot as well. And they're, we're, they're great okay. where we are employed at. Um, and these are companies actually, uh, or we've had experience in companies that are venture-backed. So we're yeah. seeing from the inside what this does to a company uh, over the long term. And... Um, depending on who is your investor, of course, you might have a great experience, but sure. also it can become very tricky, especially if you're having some hard times as a company and then you start answering to investors, you become really reliant on them. Uh, and then it goes down the rabbit hole that's really unpleasant. And I've seen some of that uh, in my experience as well. Uh, but we've also been influenced a lot of, from like writings and uh, some of the philosophies from uh, Jason Fried and DHA, sure. Basecamp, for example. They're really yeah. uh, going, have a really strong voice against the kind of, um, kind of uh, the, the venture-backed uh, world. Um, and that's, that makes sense when you think about it, at least in our heads for our case. Um, we were also fortunate enough to be able to actually pull our savings together and fund this operation from the very beginning. And this is how we decided to do it at the end. So basically, uh, everything we, uh, we, we used as materials, all the inventory is paid for by our own finances. Got you. No, the interesting thing about it is, is you always hear so many people say, like, you need to quit your full-time job to kind of do this thing. To, to do whatever you're doing kind of full time. And I've always kind of, that seemed to never really make sense to me, right? Like if you can run your company and work full time, what's, why is that bad, right? Like I'm assuming at one point you guys would maybe consider going full time if, if you choose to, but I, I think just it's, you know, inspiring to hear your guys' story that you guys have been building a business while working full time. So do you maybe want to kind of talk about some of the pros and cons of actually doing that? Yeah, which one should I take? Oh, whatever, start. Why don't you, why don't you start with the good stuff? I'll start with the good stuff. <laughs> well, uh, the good stuff is that, uh, like Maurice said, everything that uh, basically the, our full-time salaries are paying uh, gives us sure. financial security so we can pay rent bills and stuff like that. And all the savings that we had plus any revenue coming in uh, could be re reinvested back into the company. So I think that's a, that's a very sure. big win that we don't have to take it out and pay ourselves. Um, also, I kind of like, like at some point you start discussing, oh, should we go full-time? But then... When you think about it, I, I kind of like the idea of working under constraints. Um, sure. Because if I have eight hours a day I, and I know that I'm only going to be working on Dula, I might be tempted to, to waste a little bit of it. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, but now, but now I know that I've got the two, three hours in the evening and that I'm kind of thinking the whole day what I should, uh, what I should do in those two, two, three hours. And then once I get back home, have dinner, and then I, I start working on it. Uh, for two, three hours a day. And I think at this point in the company, it doesn't make sense to have more than, you know, two, three hours a day, plus the, sure. the occasional email during the day. And then, of course, the weekend is a, is a big time that we, we do a big chunk of, of the work that we do. Um, sure. So, I th yeah, I think that I see a lot of positives with it, to be honest. I don't see many negatives. I mean, if you have the discipline to, to kind of, there are some social sacrifices uh, like sure. going out on a Friday or whatever it is. Uh, 
or any company company events, but I I'm usually not a big fan of them, so now I have an even better excuse <laughs> to skip them. Sure. Interesting. And and then you you guys also kind of ship your your shirts kind of worldwide, correct? Yes. Yeah. So everything so you guys well, no, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Well, what we did is, uh, in fact, when we pulled our finances together, we financed this first first round of uh, dress shirts. Basically, we made about almost eight hundred shirts. And okay. Wow. We packaged them well. We shipped them from Bulgaria, where they were manufactured, to here, Amsterdam, okay. where we're living. And currently, okay. our living room is basically our warehouse and base of operations. And every gotcha. order that comes in. We find the shirt ourselves, we pack it, we write a personal note to everyone, we put it in there and we send it ourselves to the couriers and from then on it starts its journey through uh, any part of the world. So it's a really, really interesting and exciting experience, kind of our garage story as well. And uh, it's, um, I, I'm very proud saying it, talking about that actually because it's, it's really cool. I mean, it's, uh, when you think about all the stories that you hear and you read that are very famous, like the Steve Jobs, uh, the, the Apple origin stories and Google origin stories, um, and then you think that you have something like that, it's quite nice. No, I, 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 no, I think that's great. I, and I think it, it makes a lot of sense to keep the cost down. Like you don't need a big warehouse or, you know, um, I'm, I'm assuming that it's nice to add that like personal touch where you, you send somebody like a personal note when they order. I, I think that's really great. Yeah. And to, to add to Julian's point about constraints, actually, well, this makes you much more creative because sure. operating within those constraints, it means that also the fact that we've added our own money in the business, we have skin in the game. So yeah, personally, every Euro we spend is we think about it very carefully. Uh, sure. And uh, yeah, sometimes it's hard to uh, split with your own cash. <laughs> but it's fair a enough. very good thing to train and to have. And um, also gives you this kind of creative thinking that otherwise you would just default to the easiest option. And we don't necessarily go to the easiest option always. Um, and maybe to touch on some of the negatives actually from that. Sure. Um, of the working within these constraints or uh, these kind of combination, the balance of full-time job and having your uh, own business. Um, well, last week we had a really interesting conversation on our podcast with uh, a guest called Ben Smith and he's a seasoned entrepreneur. He's really, really interesting and clever guy. And we talked about entrepreneurship, just was a really open discussion. And one of the things he mentioned and it really stuck to my head was that entrepreneurship is a really lonely business. It's a lonely yeah. thing. And if I imagine us doing only our own company, it's going to be basically just me and Julian, considering the fact that we live in the same house as well. You spend sure, right. time with this person and you, all your ideas and all your thoughts are around this. And for me, actually, going to an office and do working on something else is quite interesting. It's quite nice because it gives me a distraction. I meet other people, talk to other people. The constraints of not having... Uh, a lot of time for social activities after work. Basically, uh, this is a nice compensation, a nice way to compensate it because at work I'm still talking to a lot of other people. It's, it's you're having fun. You're not really closed up. And I've noticed at least for myself is when I work on something, I tend to get very focused on that. Sure. And that's kind of okay. I can shut off the world really well. So I've taught myself the discipline to avoid distractions. But you can take that to the extreme. And I think that's quite unhealthy. No, I, I, I think that's, that makes a lot of sense too. I, I know it's, it's funny because um, that you say that like 
I was recently just on like a work trip and we got in an Uber and the guy pulls up in a pretty nice car and I'm kind of thinking like, okay, like I, I don't know if you'd make enough money to afford this car kind of just driving Uber. And so we got talking with him and he was like a front end developer and he basically drove Uber a few hours kind of like late afternoon, early evening just to kind of get out of his place and actually like have some human contact. So I, I get like, obviously you guys are roommates and I, I get that like, but it's nice to have human contact with other people other than kind of who you see constantly every day. If it was just the two of you in, in your place. Right. I think it's super important, especially when it comes to ideas, because mm -hmm. so we, we can get really uh, in a tunnel like of like a hypothetical, like imaginary tunnel of ideas and we can be just focused too much on that. And to be honest, going outside, helps and talking to other people naturally expands your your perspective on life on on your own ideas as well sure so you guys kind of mentioned it a bit earlier in the show about you guys documented on a blog kind of everything kind of from day one but let's maybe elaborate a bit on that like why did you decide to kind of document everything the ups and downs in a blog um yeah well the the first kind of uh, the seed for that was uh, a marketing guy called gary vaynerchuk he had the, that culture sure. popularized like the document versus create and his uh, his whole point was that um in this day and age to 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 you know to bring attention to whatever you do you need to create content and the best uh, type of content will be authentic content and the sure. volume of that content as well the, the more it is the, the better it is and the only way to do that would be to just to document what's happening instead of actually creating original content. So that was the, the original thinking behind that. And uh, I'm super happy that we, we started with it and we stuck with it. Uh, but along the way, we actually found out that we can use that content uh, to either, but just by sharing the process, we can help other people which are starting out now. Uh, sure. Even if they're not in the same in industry, there's, uh, there's, I think, common threads that uh, you get when you begin, when you start anything. So hopefully by sharing the, that process, we help other people. And uh, as always, just very interesting to, to have a look back on those. Like yesterday, for example, I was listening uh, for some reason to, to our own podcast, uh, to the first episodes. And it's just really, really fascinating to see what we were discussing back then, what we were doing back then, because now we always see sure. what, what's, what's happened now. And it's, you just see that the growth of uh, just a bit more natural in front of camera, uh, a bit more natural uh, on a podcast. Uh, the images get better. The website gets better. Uh, the community grows. Uh, the thinking kind of the experience as well comes along with that. Um, but the main thing I think for now is just uh, to share what we're doing, hopefully, helping other people and then at some point we need to channel that uh, more powerful into actually start, starting to what we're currently doing just standing behind a, a narrative and pushing that uh, loudly yeah. sure and to, to add to that like for me at least because I've worked in marketing for several years and it's always usually the thing that as a marketer I was tasked to do was to create a lot of content right blog posts tweets uh, Facebook posts any of those and you, what ended up happening is you're scratching, you're coming to the office on Monday morning and you're scratching your head and you're thinking, uh, what do I have to write about today? Uh, I have to come up with another bullshit story. And uh, that's your thinking is going to drive you clicks and etc. 
But when you have this strategy of documenting your process, you're not limited actually creatively at all because you just put the phone on or you start writing and you just write what happened last week. Maybe it's not interesting. Yeah, fair. Interesting. 95% of the time, it's not interesting stuff. When we start to record a vlog, we always spend like two minutes before that thinking, what are we going to talk about today? Because if okay. you look back at the week, I can look at my, uh, my to-do list, uh, things that I had to do. And yeah, it's not interesting. It's reply to this, meet with this guy, uh, bring a shirt, sure. a shirt to this. I mean, it's, it's really nice things to do when you're in it. But for somebody who might be looking for some entertainment or some education, it's not always the most the clear uh, way to do it. But on the other hand, we are never stuck. We never have a creative block or a writer's block, if you say so, if you, if you want to call that, uh, sure. with our content because it's that simple. We just talk about what happened last week or today or something like that, you know, or a thought or something that we have on our mind. Uh, it's, it's very, very easy. And it's a great representation as well to learn about yourself. Yeah, I think I should just add on top of that. I think there's a... There's a lot of, uh, it's a bit tricky because there's a lot of success stories usually that like the success part of, of someone's journey gets covered on, on media or on the internet. And then people, once they start something and they see that uh, during their first months, they don't get much traction. I think a lot of people get discouraged because they compare their beginning to someone else's, you know, middle or end. And sure. through documenting that every day, you can actually go back and see that like for the first few months we got the handful of sales and for the vendor you can actually see like an organic growth of a, of a of an average business interesting yeah that's fascinating so what are some things that you've learned that you would like to pass on to other people that are either looking to get into the space or just kind of do their own business um and and i also curious to know um advice about working with like a, a good friend because you guys were obviously been friends for a long time and a lot of people always say you should never work with like friends or family but you guys have known each other a long time it seems to be working out for you guys you guys live together so you know do you want to maybe talk about some things you've learned along the way and kind of how you guys make it work yeah sure um i mean i would say the best advice or the best thing we've learned is to just start commit and trust the process uh, it sounds okay. very, I mean, this is, this is really generic and uh, like, like, again, cliche advice, but I mean, if we hadn't decided to start from the very beginning with this and just were debating and discussing or thinking about what could it be, we would never have yeah. been here today talking to you. So that's just, just start. Once you have an idea, start, try it. Don't think about it as uh, building something big or a company because uh, the usual mistakes I used to do in the very early uh, years when I was trying to build something of my own or work as a freelance developer or something like that was buy a domain, get the name, get the logo, put a web page on. But in fact, when I think about it now, this is nothing. This is like putting a, a, just a face without having any substance behind it. Uh, yep. Whereas working for Dula, the way we approach it is really break it down more as a software project, really. Break it down in simple steps and have small, small, small wins. Like the first thing was, okay, let's validate the idea. Other people are doing it. The fabrics are good enough. Now, uh, Bulgaria has good traditions in manufacturing. There's a high chance that we find somebody who can help us to combine all of that. 
Next step, Interesting. go to Google, find everybody who is uh, in the sourcing and manufacturing business. We found 62 companies. Wow. Email all, all of those. Next step, uh, listen to the replies and uh, connect with those who reply. That was about 20 people. Then okay. those 20, let's say 12 replied back. Uh, right. Go meet with those people and go with a really open mind. That's another thing that we've learned. Just go with everything with new with an open mind and try to learn as much as possible because whatever happens at the end if you approach building a business as a learning task or a learning opportunity then you never yeah. lose you're always a winner because you learn so many things i studied marketing for four years i worked in marketing for two and a half three years after that the yeah. time i spent working on doula over the past one year even the last couple of months is taught me so much more about marketing because I was working on something that I really care about. Also with my own finances. And that's another lesson. Sure. Put your skin in the game. And that's a nice book by uh, Nassim Taleb that uh, was out for now several months. And I really recommend everybody to read it. But if you like invest in your own success, you're much that much more motivated to succeed and to show up for work and to do stuff. Um, another thing that comes to my mind is um, just don't discuss or spend time deliberating. Uh, just do. If I, let's say, I have an idea how to do one thing and Julian has an idea how to do another thing, let's say a Facebook yeah. post for advertising. Yeah. Um, I have an idea to try uh, one a combination between an image and a particular copy to go with that image. Julian okay. has an idea, a different idea for the copy. Instead of us spending time discussing and arguing what is the right copy. Just start with one and then see if it's working, then test the other and sure. then see which one works best and then that's the winner. Just try to get the motion outside of the equation. Yeah, that's actually really good advice because it, it doesn't really matter which one, like, like if you guys argue it out and you pick one over the other, but the one you didn't pick converts more, it, like let your users basically decide which one converts more, right? Yes. Exactly. Interesting advice. It's, it's good advice. Yeah, and don't chase perfection. Uh, we wrote about that as well, like very early on, I think. Okay. Uh, what do you mean by that exactly? Well, um, let's say as a developer, uh, myself, because we're building our own website. So sure. we are, I mean, we're using Shopify, but the theme and the look and feel, it's all about us. Sure. Yeah. We relaunched the website with our new photo shoot about a month ago. Okay. The way we did it, we just, the moment we had a relatively acceptable uh, homepage, which means that everything was linked correctly and working with the new images, we just put yeah. it live immediately. We didn't spend time polishing the copy. And okay. over the next couple of weeks, we spent changing things, uh, working on the about page, working on the product pages. Even today, we're changing some things on the website, like copy, copy-wise. Um, and just constantly, don't, don't be, um, how you say, uh, paralyzed by trying to make something perfect. Yeah. Considering that we're an online business, we can change things like that. with, a, with a Yeah. I know. I, I think I've tried to, like, just in the past when I've done kind of client work on the design side, I've always told people to almost to your point, like, push it live because nothing is a bigger motivator to change something or work on something than if you have something you dislike that's live to the world, like copy, right? Like if you hate your about page, 
push it live because you will be more motivated to actually rewrite that about page in the coming weeks because you're almost like embarrassed to have it up on live. Yeah, that's a good one as well. Yeah. No, that's, it's, it's correct. Um, yeah, I mean, maybe I'll, I think Marine covered the, the first part of the question. Then the second part you asked about uh, working with a, with a friend, you, with a, someone you know. Sure. And uh, I guess it's a, there's, I think there's luck, of course, involved in that because you, you never know how you're going to work with someone until you work with someone. Sure. Did you guys work on anything else together before uh, Dulo? Well, we were colleagues in the same company for one year. <laughs> okay, but did you work kind of day to day or well, with each other? Or? Uh, not really. I mean, we started. Okay. We we started. I mean, we we thought we started something like when Marie said we're just uh, getting a domain, putting a logo on on it, and then thinking, right, we were business running. Uh, so we, we never had issues uh, amongst each other. We we had more of a just a lack of experience at that point. I got you. Uh, but there was, I guess you just trust it, right? If it's if it works, it's gonna work. If it doesn't, then it doesn't, and then you move on. Uh, but I think we kind of had a, had a good feel of, of how we can communicate and how we can work because we also been discussing ideas, and we can see that we kind of have we kind of have the same similar understanding of. Uh, of vein, you know, sports, nutrition, uh, business, uh, books, whatever, lifestyle. Um, so you kind of just just um, take into account those factors and then hope for the best. And yeah, I think that's that about sums it up. Yeah, and I think well, I can add a little bit to that as well. Is um, the moment for me personally that really made it very easy to work with somebody else because before Dulo. Everything I was starting, I was kind of thinking it of like I want to do it by myself, especially okay. during uh, the because the, the things that I was trying was mostly like freelancing, web development, front end development, right. uh, and I kind of liked the idea of being in control of everything, moving quickly, and not answering to somebody else. Um, however, what usually happened is after two months, I lost interest in what I was doing. Yeah, fair. Due to lack of traction or uh, like really annoying clients, um, (laughs) I would just stop doing it and continue with my day job and think something else. Interesting. Start something else. But once we started working with Julian, for me personally, and once, and that was very early on that we decided on this approach to just do things instead of debating them. Uh, we basically eliminated the variable of like emotion, high emotions and uh, subjective opinion uh, within the work. Okay. And that makes it very easy. If you're not emotionally tied, subjectively tied to your work, um, and you let the market decide what is good, then it becomes very easy to work with somebody else. Sure. And for me, that was very liberating because uh, because. I work with Julian, I know I'm also accountable to him. So when he's working right. on a Saturday and I'm not and I'm sleeping or uh, eating or being out, I feel yeah. guilty in front of myself. Yeah, I, just... I know, okay, this guy's working, I need to deliver as well. Sure. Or when there's times when I'm tired or traveling, I know that he's there to always pick up the work that needs to be done. Sure. So how do you guys make sure that the other one feels like they're basically contributing contributing an equal amount. Maybe like do you guys track hours. How do you guys kind of handle that? 
Yeah, it's, uh, it's again something I think we were lucky to have a relationship that we've known each other for so long and we kind of very honest to each other. So, for example, okay. I prefer working in the evenings and I know Marin's not going to work in the evenings because he wakes up in the mornings and then it kind of, it's a natural rhythm of, uh, of our personalities as well. Um, so I know that I'll wake up a bit later, but then he's been working in the morning and then in the evening he can, uh, he can relax knowing that he's done his part. And then uh, I naturally start doing my part in the evenings. Same for the weekend, same if we're traveling. For example, if one of us goes back home, we don't expect that person to be involved 100% because obviously okay. we're going back home seeing family. So we, there's, there's, a, there's a certain level of understanding that, um, that at the end of the day, we're both certain that we're both committed uh, the same amount. Uh, we've invested the same amount, uh, but there's just a few situations that you have to have the understanding that someone's working more this time and then the other guy kind of makes up for it uh, some other time. Yeah, and we don't really track hours or anything. No, it's just that okay. it kind of felt naturally yeah. like we split up the work basically and then everyone knows what they're doing and we just, uh, maybe even we do some stuff without the other one knowing that we just let them know, okay, man, I changed the, something on the website. Okay, cool. You know? Yeah, for example, Julian is the one who is res responsible, kind of took ownership naturally of the blog so the weekly okay. blog that we have, also like engaging in communities and distribution on that, I like kind of started and continued with uh, the vlogs, so the editing. I, I really enjoy like tinkering with uh, video editing and sound editing software, so for me it's really fun to edit the podcast or to edit the vlogs. Right. Like, and it's kind of, I don't know, we found what, what is interesting and that's the best thing about when you're working on your own business, is that you find things that are interesting and you work on the things that are interesting. Sure. No, I think that makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like for me, and correct me if I'm wrong, is the, the two big things is trust and kind of communication, right? And obviously you guys have kind of complementary skill sets, but it boils down to just like trusting and, and kind of communicating, you know, that you guys are obviously both working on it. You're both committed to this and, and you don't really need to track hours to say like, you put in three more hours than I did this week or whatever, right? Like there's none of that. Is that fair to say? Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's exactly like that. Actually, Interesting. To, to, to try to think about it, it's very hard to say sure. how many hours we put for Dulo per week because it's really like, yeah, right now we are technically working, even though we're having this conversation, it doesn't really sure. work. Um, in the morning when we have to do, like when we're packing shirts and going to the couriers, yeah, that's, is that work? Well, probably. And we had a funny discussion uh, like a few days ago about once the time comes when we have enough volume of orders per day that we can completely rely on the business to sustain our lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, that's going to change the dynamic, like our personal life dynamic quite a lot because to be honest, um, yeah, we spend a lot of time, but because we're now, we taught ourselves to work within these constraints, we're very efficient in the amount of two, three hours per day. And sure. filling a day of, of eight hours with work, uh, I don't think it's gonna be possible uh, in like to do every day. Yes, for sure some days are gonna need that, but most of the time I think, uh, of course depends on the scale of the business, but sure. I'm talking about let's say the next one, two years. If we can yeah. keep that two person operation, uh, this lean mean machine that we have here, uh, this can be a very interesting experiment as well and a learning uh, opportunity for us because 
we've never like our days are currently are pretty much filled with uh, you wake up you, you you do your exercises workouts uh work go to the other work come back work eat go to sleep and then continue you know for sure yeah it's interesting because you're, you're right like do does like you answering emails while watching tv late in the e evening on your phone count as work like it kind of does but it also kind of doesn't or if you're like walk, watching tv kind of just hanging out maybe having like a beer and packing some shirts is that is that working like so i i get that right like it is but it isn't right yeah, yeah i mean on, on sunday i was outside our house because it was a really great sunny day in okay gloves and shorts and i was uh, preparing I don't know what I was working on. I don't remember exactly, but it was work-related. But I was having my coffee, listening to music, and said, that, that's, that's okay. That, that's nice. I feel productive, but it doesn't feel like work. Yeah, it, it, that's interesting. Yeah, and I, you're right. Like, the dynamic will probably change, especially if you have the opportunity to maybe hire somebody to do some of the stuff you guys – like, I don't know. Like, you could maybe have to hire a team of people to pack – um, orders just because like the two of you can't handle an, that many orders in one day, right? Like if you're getting a ton of orders, it, at some point you guys won't have the time to pack them all, right? In a reasonable amount of time. So you might have that. So like you might have to delegate some of that stuff at some point. Of course. Yeah, um, but it's, uh, I mean, we, we once you said it, I, I thought about it, but I never thought about it previously because it's just so far ahead in the future. And then once we reach that point, I would guess uh, that's when we start thinking about it, but it's not something that we are planning for and accounting for now. And interesting sure. to, to, to just add in here was I, I read a tweet today, uh, it was an article actually, it was tweeted about Kylie Jenner. She ran for the past year, I think, a cosmetics business that generated $900 million of revenue. Yeah, we do not have four or five people. I mean, yeah. we can go very big and be very. Yeah, that is really good advice. Hey, like I, I never really like. Yeah, you're right. Like you can run a billion dollar company with four or five people. It's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, it's it, and people under the threat were discussing like making calculations. Like Apple has that many employees, so they have like two million euros revenue per employee, and. In her case, they have like 26 million euros per employee. Like it was, yeah, interesting. Was almost like 150 million per, per Yeah, it was something like that. It was like, what? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. the thing to, to go back to the, to the funding mindset because once you get funded or you seek funds, then you, you go into the, into the mindset of spending that money instead of when you don't have that fund, you're in the mindset of making money. Sure. If you follow that logic and once you, if you don't take any external finance, you're always going to be able to create the revenue yourself and then you don't need to, because if you get whatever the number is in investment, the, the natural thing is always to get more people, to get a bigger office, the lunch menu uh, becomes more exotic, uh, you get, you know, a few uh, table tennis uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, foosball tables, but, but it's, that's not going to move the needle forward as much as if... Uh, if you've learned to, to actually make the money yourself, right? Totally. So we're, we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but is there any other advice either of you have kind of learned over the last little while that you would maybe like to share with people? Yeah, for me, the, the, the main thing is always just start something and commit to it. Uh, I see a lot of people at their full-time jobs, they're not really happy with them and they just stuck with them because they, they don't think there's another option. Uh, sure. But given the day and age, we have so many opportunities to to build a business. You can, uh, I mean, 
you can build anything pretty much uh, by yourself using the internet. Uh, so just my biggest advice would be just start something, commit to it. Uh, don't overestimate the complexity, but don't underestimate the time and, and effort that it's going to take. Uh, so sure. just be patient with it, stick with it. And uh, I guess another thing that comes along with that is the self-doubt and confidence. And uh, I read a nice uh, piece last week that confidence is about keeping promises to yourself. Uh, yeah, sure. So as long as uh, have some goals, have some routines, have some, uh, and just follow along and, and stick to them. And then the confidence builds up. There's a momentum going on. And then once you commit to something, you see that the, the, the initial results, I think it's easier to, to continue with it, but you need to stick, stick with it. I think that's really good advice. Yeah. And I would say just trust the process. That has been something I've, I've told myself and I keep telling myself all the time is because everything you do is choices, basically. You make some decisions and there's an outcome out of that. Sure. And I think Paul Graham uh, was, uh, had a blog post like he wrote a long time ago. And one of the things that I remember from one of, one of his blog posts was that you don't move towards a goal, but you move out of promising situations. And Interesting. That's uh, that's always like stays in my mind, and um, it's just I think it's just a thing of trusting the process. Move forward, and make sure that uh, just stick with it. Commit. Have the discipline to stay long enough. And I actually believe that if you stick long enough, uh, eventually you win, or you end up on the on the positive side of things. I hundred percent agree. I I think that's really good advice, guys. But we're we're out of time, so let's close the show with mentioning where people can get more information about you guys, kind of check, read read the blog, get more about the podcast and the vlog. So uh, we have several resources. Everything is on our website, which is wherdulo.com. That's W-E-A-R-D-U-L-O.com. And actually, uh, for Kevin, for, for your show, we actually made a special code uh, for, okay. for all the listeners, if they want to check out uh, the product and get their hands on a Dulu shirt, we made a special code uh, for 15 euros off. That's about 20 $25 off. Uh, and we have free delivery as well. Uh, the code is BTF15. Um, so if one of your listeners is interested, they can just uh, go to our website and at checkout, add the code in the appropriate field. Uh, but other than that, the blog is on wherdulo.com slash blog. We have a podcast, and the podcast is on wherdulo.com. So. Yeah, just just go to the website. We are at wherdulo. Handle, the handle is uh, everywhere, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the website is of the same uh, spelling. Good one. Per- perfect, boys. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and have a good rest of the day, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, thanks for having us on. It was a pleasure. Thank- thanks, Kevin. Thanks, guys. Really fun. Okay. All right, guys. Okay, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. To join the free community, buy some merch, sponsor the show, or sign up for the newsletter, please visit the website at buildingthefutureshow.com. The music for the show is done by Electric Mantra. You can check them out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.